Hello, my name is Edgar King and I am the lead pastor of Trinity Vineyard Church in Akuru. I am so grateful that you are um, tuning into our podcast today. Head over to our Facebook page and see some of the information that you may need if you're in Akuru and you'd like to join us. Nonetheless, we will still be on live for those who are unable to join us in person. Thank you very much. I hope this uh, installation of talks today will be a blessing to you. My name is Edgar King. I am the lead pastor, and thank you for joining us. Uh, we've, been, we've been walking through this journey, talking about the central story of, of the Bible, which is the story, the big story of the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, it's a collection of books, but it really tells one story. And that, that big story is the story of the kingdom of God. That's all it is from beginning to end. Uh, we, we have a creation at the beginning that is really creation out of love. A father of love feels, uh, 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 brings creation forth to share in this love. It's all about... And, uh, it's, so you even have human, human beings created to be kings, uh, to be royalty and priesthood, to bring God's kingdom, uh, to join him in bringing God's reign and kingdom over all of creation. They're told, go rule and reign. Bring my kingdom over all of creation. And then uh, the story ends with God's kingdom coming uh, uh, to, to dwell amongst us in full. The story ends with the king of the kingdom, the king of kings, Jesus Christ coming back in, in, in full power and he takes his rightful place. And all of life is renewed. Pain is no longer. Tears are wiped off. Death loses its sting. The, en the enemy of our souls is defeated. And justice is rolled out like a river. That's the end of the story. From beginning to the end, it's all about the kingdom of God. Now in the middle of this story, we find Jesus Christ, who, uh, who is the king of the kingdom. And what Jesus really does is he inaugurates the kingdom of God. He brings the end, that all, uh, all that we are longing for, all that we are looking forward to, he brings it right in the middle of the story and says the kingdom of God has come. Which means we can experience all that we are longing for in future when he returns, we can experience it now. So we see glimpses of the kingdom. Now we need to talk about, uh, maybe in the next few weeks, just the, the fact that it's been inaugurated, but it's not yet here in full. So we're living in the in-between times. So we constantly see um, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, glimpses of the kingdom of God, and then we constantly also see uh, th just the existence of, of this age, where there is pain, where, where there is war, where there is tears. But we still see the glimpses of the kingdom. The sick get well. Relationships get restored. The dead are brought back to life. There's so many stories um, that are around that. Um, when those in prison unjustly are set free, when unjust systems fall and crumble, these are glimpses of the kingdom. These are evidences that God's kingdom has come. And they are also down payments because now we can wait for God's kingdom is coming again. And, and so Jesus in the middle of the story inaugurates the kingdom of God. It's now here and it's yet to come. We're looking forward to it and we can experience that life even now. And that is an incredible story. The story of Scripture is an incredible story. It changed civilization. Even those who don't want to believe in Jesus, 
even those who are still just daring to walk this journey, cannot ignore Jesus. The story he lived, his life changed humanity, changed history, changed civilization. That story is that powerful. Now, how Jesus would teach about the main story that he was about was using short stories called parables. And, and listen, uh, 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 two weeks ago when I spoke, I said, Jesus didn't use parables because they were easy to understand. Quite the contrary. <laughs> he used parables so that he can invite us to lean in. Because sometimes when things are just so straightforward, we ignore them. We have a tendency to ignore them. So Jesus uses parables so that we can contend with that invitation and lean in. And sometimes it takes weeks. Sometimes it takes months. Sometimes it just takes years. And, and after years you go, oh, this is what it's about. This is what I'm being invited to. That's really why Jesus is using parables. And, and all through his teachings, the picture of the kingdom he would draw was very different from all worldly dominions. Now, I have to constantly keep telling us, there was a tweet, I have to constantly keep telling us that when I talk about the kingdom of God, I'm not talking about physical boundaries. I'm talking about the rule, the dynamic rule and reign of God. Everywhere God's will is done in full, the kingdom of God has come. So where sin is defeated, where death is defeated, where sickness is defeated, where injustice is defeated, the kingdom of God has come. So it's not about uh, 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 geographical boundaries. And every time Jesus would tell stories of the kingdom, people would realize that it's very different from how the world does kingship. Unlike the kingdom of the world, it, it, it's, it's what uh, Joy last week called the upside-down kingdom. This is the kind of kingdom where the, the first are last and the greatest are those who serve. That doesn't work in our Kawaida world. It just doesn't make sense. Where children are better recipients of the best gift because they, they, they just get it more than adults with all our education and experience and everything. This is an upside-down kingdom. The kingdom where it is better to be spiritually poor. In a world that, that um, claiming that everyone is sufficient on their own. Because then you belong to the kingdom of God. It's a kingdom where it is better for you to mourn in a world busy trying to uh, uh, gain as much as you can. But here it's like, oh no, I, I can grieve this. I can lose this. Uh, because you will be comforted by God himself. It's a kingdom where it is better to be meek and gentle in a world where might equals, equals right. If you have the strength to do it, you can write history however you want it. But in this kingdom, it's the other way. You are better off meek and gentle because you are promised to inherit the earth. It's a kingdom where it is better to hunger for righteousness in a world that does not care about such things. In a world where anything goes however you want. Do as thou wilt. It's your body, it's your money, it's your... Do anything you want. In a world where righteousness doesn't matter, in this kingdom it's better. In a world where freedom means to do anything you want, this is a, ki this is a kingdom where freedom means you don't have to, even if you could. Because then you've experienced real freedom. Because you, you will not be left hungry. God will satisfy you. It, it, this is a kingdom where it is better to be merciful in a world where it's tooth for a tooth. 
because you will be shown mercy for a debt you could never pay. It's, a, it's in a kingdom where it's better to be pure in heart because you will see God. It's better to be peacemakers in a world where everybody wants to win and hold on to their rights. Like, no, this is my right. Now, in this kingdom, it's better to be a peacemaker because you will be called children of God. Upside down. Every time people would hear Jesus speaking, it just wasn't how everything worked. It just wasn't how they thought things should work. To be honest, every time we encounter uh, uh, Jesus in Scripture, honestly, we also realize we really don't want to do this. And sometimes, right? We, it, takes, it takes a process to go, yes, I want to submit to this. Because it's upside down. It's a kingdom for the 99%. Because think about it. Really, there are just very few powerful people. Very few powerful countries. Then Jesus draws a picture of a kingdom for everyone else. You're all, you all can come in. In a world that values the rich, the powerful, those who've got the loudest voice. In a world that celebrates extroverts. I am one, so I'm not, I'm not you know, bashing on y'all. You know. And I'm not saying that the kingdom of God is not for extroverts. You know, I'm just saying in, the whole value system for the kingdom of God is just different. Jesus is giving a different vision of life. He's inviting people to a very different way of living. A way that changes everything. And it's a better vision than our vision of the good life. If you think about the good life, oops, one that is not about, you know, um, like I said, you on a yacht in uh, Dubai. If you, if you have the vision of the good life, forget about the narcissistic one. One that actually is good for you and for everyone else. Trust me, it's got nothing on the vision of uh, the kingdom of God. Now, sadly, we want the kingdom, we want the things of the kingdom, we want, we want that vision of the kingdom, but we don't really want the kingdom. We don't want the demands of the kingdom. It asks, it asks too much, we sometimes think. You know, sadly, humanity always wants that promise. Uh, um, Mahatma Gandhi said uh, that if only Christians could... Could, um, could live out the teachings of Jesus and the things they believed, we'd all be Christians. Now, that's very true. Sometimes it's, it's so sad that, that sometimes the church just believes the right things, but it doesn't impact how we live. Yet, yet you see, uh, you can also see in there, people want the, uh, the things that Jesus has promised, but they don't want the invitation he's making on, on a different way of life. You know, we, we want mercy for ourselves, but not for the person who's who's been unjust to us, right? It's funny how we people are. Not you. You, you guys are doing very well. So, and I just constantly have to say, we cannot, we keep making the same mistake in our lives as a, as a nation, as a people, and I know those are very big conversations, but you cannot have the life of the kingdom of God and not take on the lifestyle of the kingdom. You just can't. It'll be a mess. So anyway, today we'll look at two short stories that Jesus used to tell the big story. These are the ones where it is very, very little. 
So let's pray. Ah, mighty God, you are here, and we're grateful that we're called your own, that we have a seat at the table, and that you're very patient with us, and that you enjoy our company. So Lord, come and, come and speak to us and do what only you can do. Amen. So again, uh, uh, where we find this story, Jesus is surrounded by crowds again. And you'll find, especially in Matthew, you'll always find this distinction, people called crowds. It's like, and every time he would, when he'd, he'd be speaking to crowds, he would speak in parables. So this is one of those moments. He probably taught the whole day just in parables. So this is Matthew 13, 31 to 33. Then Jesus taught them another parable. Heaven's kingdom, interchangeably the kingdom of God, heaven's kingdom can be compared to the tiny mustard seed that a man takes and plants in his field. Although the smallest of all seeds, it eventually grows into the greatest of garden plants, becoming a tree for birds to come and build their nests in its branches. And he just stops there. And he moves to the next one. Then he taught them another parable. Heaven's kingdom, the kingdom of God, can be compared to yeast that a woman takes and blends into three measures of flour and then waits until the dough rises. There's a recurrent theme in, in, all, in all these stories Jesus is telling about the kingdom. And it's often saying that you will find God, you will find the kingdom of God, you will find the will of God happening in some of the, un, the most unexpected places. So, you know, from last weekend, as Joy spoke about, the kind of people you will find the kingdom of God around, the kind of people you will find Jesus around, it's so unexpected. You know, in our culture, why would anyone want to be poor and in... in uh, oh... Language, language part of my brain is, is fried today. Why would anyone want to be poor under any, circ under any measure? Why would you want to be poor? It's like you will constantly find the kingdom of God in very unexpected places. I think this is why every time uh, Jesus would proclaim that the kingdom of God had, has come, he started with repent, which meant start thinking differently and, turn, and, and live a totally different life. Change your worldview, because the, the places we expect to find the good life, the places we expect to find the kingdom of God, the places we expect, you know, even those who I was listening to, uh, uh, is it Pius Morgan? There's a British comedian, and I think author, who's, who's, a, who's a vocal atheist, and he was asked, what if you get to the pearly gates and, and, and you realize that this has all been true? He said he'd be so mad at God and said some unprintable things because how could you build a world with so much suffering? How could, you, how could you create a world where children die of cancer? How could you? You see, even those who reject God have a vision of the good life, of what life should be, and we'll talk about that some, sometime because it's just, it's just a, a warped way of seeing things. But even those who reject God have a premises that says, if there is a God, 
then his will is, should be good. And so what I'm saying is where, where you will find the will of God being done is often in very unexpected places. If you're looking for life, it may just be found in places or in things that you just didn't expect. And so Jesus would start by repent, change your worldview. Start looking at things differently. Why? Because the kingdom of God is here and you will find it in unexpected places. You might just miss it if you're not careful. You know, in today's uh, first story, it is, it, it, is, it is the smallest seed. You just don't expect that to become the biggest thing. Sometimes you drop small things, you're like, ah, oh, that's it's okay. Like, it's easy to ignore. It's easy to miss. But don't be fooled. It grows into the biggest thing. Don't be fooled by the size. There is progression to this story. Don't be fooled by what it takes that looks foolish. Don't be fooled by what it takes that looks small. There's a progression to this story. And the kingdom of God is expanding from very, very small things. And it becomes both shade and, uh, and home for birds. And the thing is, it outshines everything else that is in the garden. You know, here's the thing. There's so many things that are, 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 could distract us now. Think of the things in the garden as just every other thing that seems fancier now. As every other kingdom that seems dominant now. And the things that God is inviting us to sometimes seem so small. And Jesus is saying, don't be fooled. This is what remains. And we know that that is true. The great Babylon empire existed and, and they must have thought we will be here till kingdom come. Well, they're gone. The great British empire, now they're not gone. <laughs> but that era ended. Empires rise and fall, but the kingdom of God remains. It keeps outshining all, all of them. Even the great US empire is quickly fading. The great Kiambu dynasties of our country, like they've got no one running. No, that, I'm not saying I'm excited about that. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know? The, the great Roman Empire that ruled the world when, when Jesus walked this earth, it, they, they would never have thought that a small group of people who followed a rabbi who once was crucified and to them they claimed he had risen from the dead. They would never have thought that that is what would come and, and engulf the entire empire. Are you seeing that picture? One man, 12 disciples, 72, 100, maybe, you know, and, and then it just grew and grew and took over an empire. It looks so small. But don't be fooled by the size. It just grows. It, 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 it overtakes it all. And the challenge is, as empires that distract us fall, because we are still in this process of waiting for the kingdom to come in full, new ones rise. And, and human beings, we like shiny things. We like fancy things. So we get distracted by the newest thing. We get distracted by the newest political leader. We get distracted by the newest economic powerhouse. We get distracted by the newest philosophy on sexuality and gender. We get, 
All these things are just rising for a moment. And they crumble back down. But the kingdom of God is advancing. And it will overshadow all these things. We, we, we keep investing our lives in just smaller, smaller kingdoms. Because what, what, what looks like God's invitation sometimes looks very small. And Jesus is saying, don't be fooled. It grows and over, overtakes everything else. It seems less enticing. It even, feel, it even seems foolish. And this is not new. Paul, one, one great uh, church planter and philosopher and follower of Jesus uh, in the early century wrote about this. He said, the things of God seem foolish to the world. said, God keeps using the foolish things of this world to frustrate what looks fancy. It's still the same. So watch out. What, what is God inviting you to that might just look foolish to the world? They go, what? What are you saying? Uh, God told me, yeah, check that out. I guess the question, part of the question I want to ask you is, what is the newest thing that's taken your attention? Because it feels right, even though, even though in your spirit you just, you just know that the Holy Spirit is calling you into something else, it just feels a little too foolish, a little too small. It's just a small step, and you're thinking, that could not be God. The kingdom of God is often found in, in very unexpected places. Would you invest your life in something that lasts longer than a lifetime? In something that lasts longer than an election cycle? Then there's a story about the yeast and, and probably someone's about to go, ah, but you don't have to have yeast in bread. Well, it depends on the kind of bread you're making. So, uh, making this kind of bread, it is... It is it is such a small thing. Yeast is super small, yet it is the most important ingredient if you're going to make this bread. Coming back to the statement I've said before, you cannot have, you cannot have the life of the kingdom without the kingdom, without the king of the kingdom. You cannot have this kind of bread without the yeast. Every time we're trying to reach uh, racial justice without the creator of the universe, we create another mess. It just gets worse. Every time we're trying to heal tribalism uh, and corruption in our country without the king of justice, it only gets worse, and then China owns a few ports. I'm not very sure about that. Don't quote me. Um, you know, so, yeah. But every time we think we can achieve the life of the kingdom, Without the king himself, without the kingdom of God, we deceive ourselves. Yet the thing that God is calling us to seems too small, seems too insignificant. Every time you try to build a marriage, but without the king who designed us for it, you get something else. But don't you have freedom to do whatever you want? Yeah, well, freedom is better expressed. I, I have freedom not to do just anything my, my, my flesh desires. That is true freedom. When we're, 
when we're freed from things that make us sick. You cannot have the peace of the kingdom without the Prince of Peace. We cannot have life that we all deeply know we desire. We cannot have life that we all deeply know we were designed for and not have the one who designed it and live it the way he designed it. And he's saying, hey, it'll be in very unexpected places. It'll be looking very small and you could ignore it. It'll look very small, it'll look foolish. It looks like very small things. And then the yeast just slowly works its, uh, its way through the entire dough. You don't, you don't put the same measure of flour and yeast. You just put just, just a small amount, and then it works its way through the entire dough and it rises. That's a great promise. For anyone who's just going, I don't know where to start. Jesus is saying, just start here. Just start by saying, I believe. Just start by, by walking away from that. Just start, by, just, just start somewhere. It looks very small, but the kingdom of God just works its way throughout the entire dough. We call it a slow kingdom coming. Oh, how I would want to not struggle with everything I've battled with the moment I was like, oh, this is not me. Well, it takes time. But you've got to start just by saying, I believe. Help my unbelief. It's a slow kingdom coming. Just works its way through the dough and we wait to see it rise. Oh, but sure it will. How does the kingdom of God come into our lives and our families? We make small steps. We choose the unexpected. We choose the seemingly small, unimportant, and even foolish things. We journey through the change inside us as it's just working its way out. As the Holy Spirit is, is just transforming us from within, we just journey, we take one step at a time. It's, it's, it's just uh, what, what, what another guy has called a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. It's just, don't think so much about tomorrow. Just will you obey today? Then go to bed going, yes, thank you. Then wake up the next morning and I'm going I'm, I'm to take the next step. The small obedience in the same, uh, uh, long obedience in the same direction. How do we overcome sin in our lives? We just follow each day and allow the Holy Spirit to, to slowly change our outlook on, in, in life. Allow the Holy Spirit to heal those broken places in life. Over time, our attitudes, our loves, and our desires change to reflect that of the Father. It's okay if you're, if you're walking away from something yet every morning you just think, I might just end up there this evening. It's okay. Just take steps of obedience in the same direction. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and your desires, your loves, and your attitudes slowly begin to change to reflect that of the kingdom of God. It looks small. It looks unexpected. It looks foolish even. So keep choosing faith. I, I remember a time when I really struggled with doubt and I was like, how do you even, how do you even lead as a pastor? And, and I, I, I shared that from here and I said, hey, I only have small bits of faith. I wasn't, it's, it was such a crazy moment. All I knew is that God loved me. 
everything else is just falling apart. And I remember saying, I'm, I'm just going to take one step of faith a day. And that's, don't worry about the stuff you still don't get together. So keep choosing faith. Keep choosing to pray, even when you constantly fall asleep. Keep choosing to love the least of these, even when they keep stealing from you sometimes, even when they keep abusing you sometimes. Just keep choosing to love the least of these. Keep choosing, we have to keep choosing the life of the unborn. We have to keep choosing kindness to the stranger and the immigrant. We have to keep choosing the way of the kingdom, even if, if it looks foolish, even if it looks small, even if it looks unexpected, even if it looks that, but I have freedom to do whatever I want. What happens over time is that we actually begin to be transformed because the Holy Spirit is working in us. We become orientated towards the way of the kingdom. It, be, it begins over time. It begins to overshadow everything else. And you go, you know there was a time in my life when I couldn't go a day without listening to Willie Paul. Now I can go a month. So if you listen to Willie Paul, Jesus would like to work. No, I'm... It begins to overshadow everything else. It, be, it just grows and grows and grows and it becomes a home for you. How does the kingdom of God come on earth in our city? In Kenya as it is in heaven? One way it doesn't come, we cannot legislate the kingdom of God into people's hearts. I know believers would like to see some very, very God-fearing laws. And, and I'm not saying that that is not important. That's why we need believers in parliament. We need believers who will stand for justice as, as, as we negotiate law. But we cannot legislate the kingdom of God into people's hearts. We just cannot. So it looks foolish because it has to be just, just heart-changing one by one. As you and I, as you and I keep following Jesus and are being transformed, we offer our transforming self to the world. And then the world, uh, the world like the centurion who is seeing Jesus die, will see Jesus lifted up and they will say, surely these are children of God and the kingdom of God has come.